0: The following podcast is taken from a live broadcast on Inspire FM.
1: Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa and welcome to Friday Night Live with me, Hafi Shaban. And this Friday, early or late afternoon, early evening on the 27th of September 2019, corresponding also to the 27th of Muharram, I believe, 1441. As usual, we are broadcasting live to Luton on 105.1 FM and nationally and uh, internationally. Nationally via our sister station Sheffield Link FM, uh, Peterborough Salaam, uh, Derby, Nottingham, and of course, nationally via the Inspire FM app. And also, uh, Facebook live stream. Facebook live stream uh, via the Inspire FM app so you can actually tune in. Uh, Watch us live uh, broadcasting from here from the studios in Inspire in Luton or listen to us, tune in to us, listen to us uh, across the world wherever you may be now. Uh, Tune in and most importantly join today's discussion, join today's debate, Uh, get your voices heard, your points of view across as always to our panellists, our listenership up and down the country, your thoughts and opinions do count. To get in touch, the number in the studio is 01582. 01582 is the number here in the studio. For those of you that love your SMS and your WhatsApp messages, it is 0779. 0779 is the number for your SMS and for your WhatsApp messages, right? Uh, So uh, a reminder just again uh, this is Friday Night Live and I am your host Hafiz Shaban back after an absence of a number of weeks but alhamdulillah glad to be back in the hot seat. We're going to be covering a number of stories today. Uh, We're going to be starting off by discussing uh, the earthquake in Pakistan. Uh, we are going to be asking have you been affected, do you have family in Mirpur, were you there during the, the earthquake, during the tremors, are you currently in Pakistan or have you just returned from Pakistan then do get in touch with us, we want to hear from you. We are going to be speaking to brother Usman Zahid who is the BBC Pakistan producer and getting his updates and thoughts on the, the Pakistan earthquake and the aftermath. Uh, we are also going to be covering a number of other stories, Pakistan, Turkey, Malaysia announced a jointly launch of an anti-islamophobia tv channel now what's going on there we're going to be discussing that uh, imran khan's been busy of course he's been in new york uh, meeting with trump he's met with boris johnson met with a number of other leading dignitaries been attending a number of different uh, platforms uh, think tanks and and discussing and commenting on a number of different uh, areas we're going to be discussing that and of course the show wouldn't be complete without discussing Brexit so we are going to be discussing what's the latest in the in the in the Brexit fiasco suspending parliament was declared a lawful judge's rule parliament is now reconvened we're going to be discussing that and very last and finally we're going to be discussing a new podcast service which has been launched by someone very local to Luton so that's the lineup for today i am Hafi Shaban and this is Friday Night Live Right, let's move on to our first story. We've got uh, Usman uh, Zahid, who is the BBC Pakistan producer. And it's great to have uh, Usman Zahid on on the line from Pakistan. And we've had uh, Usman a number of times. So firstly and, and foremost, let me welcome Usman Zahid. Uh, uh, Usman Zahid, Asalaamu Alaikum and, and Jazakallah for joining us on Friday Night Live this evening.
2: Great. Thank you, Thankful having me on your
1: show. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, always great to speak to you. Uh, and, and of course, I was int- uh, in, in earlier introducing uh, the, the lead story this evening, which is the Pakistan earthquake. Uh, and of course, uh, no remind. Uh, you know, just a re- quick reminder for our listeners: Pakistan is, of course, on, on uh, one of the most seismically uh, active countries in the world. Right, being crossed by m- several major faults. And, and this, of course, is uh, one of many earthquakes that Pakistan has had over the last couple of years right 5.8 so not as uh not as powerful as some of the previous uh, ex- uh, you know earthquakes in pakistan but nevertheless quite a lot of damage what what, what is the latest uh, update uh usman on, on the the earthquake in pakistan
2: uh yes it's a sad yes you mentioned that it's on fault line and uh, but it's uh, you know you can say after the uh 2005 earthquake. Okay, this is, uh, you know, the uh, major one because, you know, this uh, for 14 years there was none, uh, nothing, uh, you know, of this scale. So this time um, is a 5.8 and, you know, it was not very deep. It was just 10 kilometers down and, uh, you know, 5.8 magnitude. And it caused, uh, you know, comparatively big damage In especially mm-hmm. the epicenter was uh, just uh, near the Mirpur. Yes. So the latest is I think this, uh, according to this uh, local authorities uh, in Kashmir and uh, national disaster management uh, uh, what they officially release really figure is I think it's uh, nearly forty, some say 37 or 38 that was uh, uh, death and uh, a <clears throat> lot more injured over 600 are injured. And uh, another thing is yesterday, around uh 12 uh pakistan time 12 uh, p.m uh, there was a aftershock in which uh nice. again there were some damages some uh you know houses were uh, damaged and uh, caused more injuries and uh, uh, our 60 people injured in uh, yesterday's aftershock so it's oh. uh you know quite a big number are uh, basically, uh, you know, their houses are damaged or suffering because the government is trying to provide them uh, relief and uh, rescue efforts are going on, Mm -hmm. but uh, it's uh, so far there are a lot of areas which are uh, not, uh, you can say, not getting aid or not getting proper help. So at the moment people are uh, looking for aid and, uh, you know, now I've noticed some uh, NGOs uh, and some, uh, you know, foreign-based uh uh, people who are basically doing welfare work are getting involved and trying yeah. to help out
1: all yeah, those yeah. people. Yeah, okay. Uh, uh, fan- fantastic, Osman. Uh, th- thanks for, for for that. And uh, of, of course, I mean, you mentioned Mirpur being uh, the epic centre, right? Uh, and I mean, I, I, I was in Mirpur last week. I I, I only got back last weekend uh, from Pakistan itself. So I, I just missed uh, the, the earthquake itself. But uh, everyone's been seen and circulating the social media. We've seen the cracks on the main roads. You know, I've got statements here to say. The electric electricity supply to Mirpur and Kotli districts. Now, a lot of people in, in in this in this town that we're broadcasting from in Luton, just for your information, Osman, are actually from the, these districts, the Kotli districts, right? So, a lot a lot of people have probably got a, a very direct experience, or someone a, a relative out there who's probably been impacted, or, or you know, for, by by the earthquake, right? Mm-hmm. So, we've seen it, we've seen a lot of those pictures, uh, and, and and as we were saying earlier, you know that we have. I had a number of earthquakes in Pakistan. Now, you know, you know, I'm interested in terms of, you know, where are we as a nation, Pakistan, in terms of a responding to such natural disasters. I mean, any of the uh, any of these natural disasters are, of course, uh, very unfortunate, and there are a loss of lives and there are loss of infrastructure, personal property, etc., etc. But we are sitting on a fault line. What is Pakistan doing to address? this inevitable kind of a, a natural calamity that w- it will be facing on an ongoing basis. Is Pakistan taking proactive steps to, to address this issue? Is there, is there any, any evidence to suggest that Usman?
2: Uh, well you know the authorities are basically they are saying they are trying to reach out all those people who are in need and uh, yeah. they are providing them like immediate uh, uh, kind of uh, help whatever the possible but uh, you know this uh, uh, you know, th- whenever this, uh, this sort of uh, natural disaster, so things are uh, not very speedy, basically it has to be done in phases. Yeah. So at the moment they are uh, mainly doing this uh, rescue and uh, that uh, the relief and uh, rehab phases you know that comes later Uh, so at the moment they are trying to basically people who are injured who are lost houses and who needs uh, food and uh, medical kind of uh, you know help so these they are reaching that and army got involved and army you know soldiers uh, we have seen they are reaching to those areas army chief visited uh, the all the affected areas and you know, assess the damage, and uh, then they move the basically uh, you know supplies, etc. So mm. even this uh, national disaster management, uh, they announced like uh, five hundred thousand rupees uh, um, compensation for uh, you know any family member that so far had uh, you know that sort of. Uh, they are giving financial help, announcement of financial help. No. So this is uh, not uh, you know gonna you know. Oh, uh, complete in like a week or so, but it will take maybe months or maybe a year to you know, people to you know, bring back to normalcy.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, just out of interest, uh, Osman, are you actually based in one of the cities? Have you been able to to travel in uh, to to the to to this area, which has been you know the Mirpur Azad Kashmir area, uh, and, and see that for your for first hand?
2: My. My uh, colleague, it's actually my right. uh, fellow reporters. Basically, they've been to this area. I didn't right. go, but uh, okay. I live actually not very far from uh, Jhelum, so. Okay. I mean, I have uh, people who I have been to constantly in touch with the people or local who have seen the city. Especially, I have been in touch with people in Jatla, right. the most affected village in this area. Right. So, we can understand this as uh, like uh, all the houses uh, which were damaged are basically, it's a scattered village. They're not like a main city center, but they are in, uh, you know, scattered uh, in upper Jhelum. Uh, area and all these uh, you know the most affected area and uh, you know this normally in villages they have uh, not like a very uh, earthquake proof yes, houses yes, and yes, uh, structures yes. are not very kind of um, properly built yeah. so that's another reason that's why there are a lot more damages and of course there's a uh, epi- they were very close to the epicenter that's yes. why it, uh, they suffered more damages
1: yes yes uh, absolutely I mean I'm um, speaking of my visit to Pakistan last week I mean I, I was. Driving past Jalem so I think next time I, I'm in Pakistan, we 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 I we should uh, I should make an effort to actually meet you, perhaps as as up, uh, next time inshallah, that would be an honor to sure. actually meet you in in person. But I mean, on oh, 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 no, that's a, that's a side note. But I uh, but I mean, uh, it was I, I was happy to read. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people would have been very relieved to 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 read the fact that the dam itself wasn't the Mangla Dam wasn't impacted by, uh, you know, the the earthquake. Thank God. Otherwise, of course, they could have had a lot more of a profound impact on uh, the whole area and in terms of the numbers that we are discussing right uh but uh, but okay that that's great so in terms of infrastructure you're saying the pakistan of course the national disaster uh, committee kind of uh, they're responding the army uh, the army is also involved physically uh, so you're expecting you know a fairly considerable response from the uh, from the you can say organization Pakistani you know emergency organization what, what about the the, uh, the help and, and the input and the contribution from the NGOs and and from the overseas committees and, and, and communities I mean for example today in in my local Masjid here in the UK you know they made an announcement for uh, contributions to be raised next week you know for, for the earthquake victims and and, 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 and for, for similar are you are you seeing a lot of support coming from the expat community?
2: Um, well it's uh I think there uh, people are doing it on uh you know, some uh, on individual basis but right. uh there are we have um uh, heard like there are a few NGOs basically from UK UK based NGOs. Nice. They uh you know Started some uh, campaign and uh, also, I mean, they had this press conference uh, today in this end where they basically gave their details and uh, asked the you know their partners to I think like Muslim Hand and some other NGOs got involved and they are uh, going and uh, you know getting in touch with the people and uh, with authorities especially to assess what exactly uh, they should bring and how much sources they would need and uh, all that. So it's uh, again I would say it's very early. It will take time and uh, mm. it's, uh, so far response is, uh, you can say it's uh, from government is uh, quite good because the army is involved and uh, civil authorities are also involved. But NGO... They are still assessing, they are checking what exactly they can do about it. Mm. And uh, I think in a few days, we will see uh, more effort and more kind of, you know, help reaching in these areas.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, it's, 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 it's a bit strange, but also interesting, of course, is is Qadab. But I mean, you know, last couple of days, I mean, I heard about a, an earthquake report today from Indonesia, from Turkey. And as you said, You know, aftershocks are are continuing, so it looks like that that, that region, I mean, Indonesia is obviously quite far from that region, at least a good few hours away. But it seems to be quite prone at the moment, quite active at the moment, uh, you know, in terms of earthquakes. But is there still a lot of media coverage, uh, you know, covering the earthquake nationally within Pakistan? Because over here, I haven't seen much media coverage. You know really uh, covering you know the earthquake uh, in Pakistan but perhaps because of the fact that you know alhamdulillah the casualties have been quite low uh, at this time around
2: Mm. actually uh, the first day I mean they realized that it was uh, maybe not uh, bigger but I think on second day Mm. almost all Pakistani TVs went and a lot of international media was also there BBC was there and uh, so, uh, the, you know, basically spoke to and uh, tried to tell the world, like, uh, how much uh, is the damage and, uh, mm. like, uh, how, uh, uh, you know, big it was. Mm. So, uh, at the moment, I think another reason, basically, today it was, uh, uh, you know, more focused was Imran Khan and his speech in the yeah. United Nations, and uh, that's why it was a bit uh, uh, off the radar. Otherwise, I think uh, media is there and uh, they are trying to, Reach to every possible area to highlight the problem and uh, mm. you know the the damage done by this disaster.
1: Yeah, I, I, I mean some of the, my personal thoughts. I mean, you know, I've just spent two weeks in Pakistan and I've just come back. Is when I saw the the picture of the of the roads that have almost literally been ripped apart uh, by the earthquake i mean some of these roads i mean Mangla road as a, as a classic example you know comes off gg road and goes towards mirpur right i mean even with that the earthquake yeah. that, that road absolutely is in diabolical state right it is is dilapidated and, and needs you know you're completely redoing so i mean is the government really, put, you know, taking this, you know, building of the infrastructure, supporting that infrastructure, you know, really seriously? And you know, I'm, and a lot of the questions would be, you know, okay post-earthquake support right i mean i'm reading here reports of the whole you know oh, let, let me just bring it up to you uh, in the village of shahankirikiri right on the outskirts of mirpur residents said almost all the 400 houses were completely almost destroyed if not you know damaged right and the roads that we've definitely seen in terms of infrastructure quite you know quite substantial damage question is is the government really going to give it the seriousness and, and the funds that it requires to to rebuild those roads, especially when you see existing roads, you know, just being left there for, for many years without being fixed?
2: Uh, well, I, as I said, at the moment, the whole focus is on, uh, you know, this uh, rescue efforts mm. and uh, try to reach maximum, uh, you know, affected areas. So yeah. basically uh those media highlighted a lot of areas but again i think they're still they're doing like uh trying to reach uh all the places where which were you know damaged so i think building roads will be uh maybe maybe become that will be rehabilitation Mm. phase will come maybe a bit late so you know it has to be done like i i mean this time actually this uh, a couple of rains uh, also after the earthquake yeah so they are trying to send over the maximum tents and the food supplies and yeah. uh, you know they are setting up uh, the medical camps etc so that sort of things is going on at the moment but uh, building infrastructure will be maybe a bit low. and yeah. uh, i mean though things will be slow but i think this, uh, this is a big community living there and uh, you know this uh, this uh, road connects to the lot of villages and this goes to further towards uh, um, i think Sharif and all these areas all right. so it's quite busy road and uh, it goes across this uh, jhelum upper jhelum canal, canal yes so it's uh, they have to build it otherwise because you know to connect the rest of the area towards main gt road yeah so, I think that will come uh, sometime later. At the moment, the whole focus is on this rescue and relief.
1: Yeah, okay. So, speaking of that, I mean, a lot of expats will be listening to us nationally, internationally on, on, on this show. You know, Usman Saab, based upon what you're seeing and what you're hearing, you know, w- w- what are the kind of... Uh, you know, a lot of people will probably want to help you of course like i said a lot of people are uh, you know linked to those particular areas of azad kashmir what what is the best way of helping then what are the immediate needs or is it really directing the people towards those ngos that are involved on the ground to say all right you know help you know you know you know, support those NGOs in whatever they are actually, you know, you know, targeting, and and that's the best way to for for the for the expat community to help uh, the, the 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 earthquake with victims. What, what, what would you advise?
2: Uh, I think these, you know, the situation this time is a very different as if we compare it with the situation in uh, in back in two thousand five, because mm. now. Uh, you know, everyone is connected and, uh, you know, through social media and through, uh, you know, mobile networks and uh, yeah. everyone got this mobile phone facility. So mm. I think uh, all the affected people, I mean, someone local, if uh, they are taking an initiative, setting up some sort of uh, health center or some, you know, centralized effort into their own uh, local villages, mm. I think reaching them would be the best option because, you know, uh, if we, if someone wants to help, if they reach to the area and directly, you know. Uh, you know, try to help them directly, I think that will be better. Otherwise, uh, you know, if uh, if they will channelize these things and it will take time and, uh, you know, again, uh, you never know that uh, things reach to actual victim or not. Right. So, you know, this time uh, it, communications are much better and, you know, mm. people are, uh, you know, using social media and a lot of people, you know, they are, uh, you know, uh, highlighting this um, overall disaster through their mainstream media as well. So people can easily identify the areas like where exactly the most damages are, uh, right. you know, happening, and right. uh, you know pe- where people need the food supplies, etc. Right. Et okay. So I think this time through media, it will be easy to you know uh, assess what exactly you need needed and how right. much they can help.
1: Right, so I've just, I've just got a couple of more minutes left, Usman Saab. I've got one or two questions for you for, uh, remaining, if you, if you just give me a moment. I just want to reach out to my listeners just to remind them that this is Friday Night Live and you are with me, Hafiz Shaban, on Friday Night Live on Inspire FM 105.1 FM. We are currently discussing the Pakistan earthquake with the BBC uh, Pakistan producer, Usman Zaid Saab, direct from Pakistan. Uh, have you been affected? Do you have family in Mirpur? Are you currently in Pakistan or have you just returned from Pakistan? Pakistan then do get in touch with us you know let us know your thoughts if you were out there in that region you got a first-hand experience we would love to hear from you we would love to hear from you in terms of what are the, some of the NGO efforts relief efforts that are ongoing whether you've been involved whether you know of anything that's happening on the ground 01582481822 is the number here in the studio to get in touch with me directly to speak to me direct on on air live or 0779481822 0779 to for your sms and for your whatsapp messages inshallah all right uh, i'm going to go back to uh brother usman zaid sab usman uh Sab, uh, you just slightly different question right uh with regards to the earthquake but i'm i'm, I'm gonna probably look at I'm, you know uh, you know the more uh, preventative kind of measures, you know, with you know, you you referenced earlier. Uh, was it 2005 earthquake? I think you were referring to, you know, which was quite a quite a significant, you know, earthquake. If if, if I if I if I remember correctly, right? uh What do I uh, do? I have yeah. It here, yeah, 2005 was it? Yeah, I, I think so, 2005. But also, it was 2000 yeah, 2005. Yeah, 2005, 2005, 2005. Azad Kashmir, Balakot, right? Uh, I, I almost. I mean, I've got figures here: yes. 87,000 deaths, almost right, uh, and, and subsequent to that oh, yeah. I, I mean i'm looking at earthquakes here in pakistan uh, quite uh, almost 10 earthquakes since then uh, i've got a list of over here in front of me i mean that should surely indicate the fact that you know the government should be taking you know lessons learned from these past previous experiences you know putting in place play some kind of preventative measures you know uh, you know educating the people a bit more with regards to what to do in in, in the event of 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 earthquake and, and tremors being felt what evidence is there or what have you seen to suggest that the government is learning its lessons, is putting past experiences in application, where we're taking preventative measures? Is there is there any evidence to suggest that from from, these, from this experience in 2019, uh, Usman sab or is it hard to say that?
2: Uh, well, government uh, authorities basically, they uh, have claimed that, okay, they are, you know, they can deal with this level of uh, you know disaster, and basically they can reach out to areas, and uh, they have uh, you know enough sources available. They have uh, you know in terms of technicalities, and you know this um, another thing is which is uh, it's not like a massive scale like in 2000. Yeah. Um, Five, but uh, sorry, 2000, yeah, 2005. But it yeah. is uh, now basically uh, in some area and uh, one part. I mean, the, at that time, it was areas were uh, unreachable. That uh, you know they were using only helis and stuff. And now they they are like, uh, you know, not very far from the federal capital, Islamabad, yeah. and uh, you know everyone uh, is reachable. And uh, it's a disaster is not that big. One thing and another thing is uh yes they have uh, uh some lessons learned and they are using the same uh sort of experience from the old uh, earthquake okay. and uh in terms of uh you know this ndma was set up after this uh 2005 earthquake and they right. have uh uh you know experts and uh even even the you know tents were available with them and uh, the basic supplies were available and a team of doctors, etc. So okay. they moved these things immediately and uh, trying to reach all those areas possible.
1: Okay. All right. Fantastic. Uh, Brother Usman Zaitzab, uh, Pakistan, uh, PBC uh, producer, we've run out of time. Thank you very much for joining us again, once again on Friday Night Live. Thank you very much. And hopefully, inshallah, next time I'm in Pakistan, I'll reach yeah. out to you. We can meet in person sure thank great you. thank you very much okay listeners that was uh, Usman Zahid uh, fantastic to have uh, Usman Zahid on the on the show as always uh, and we were discussing the Pakistan earthquake I really want to hear from my listeners I'm sure some of you a lot of you have got family out there in that Mirpur area in Azad Kashmir probably been impacted in, uh, you know, by the earthquake inshallah hopefully uh, you know, without having fatalities but if you have got any experience you know, do reach out to us we'll, we'll be happy to hear your experiences and Share those with our listeners. 01582 079 We are going to go into a commercial break when we're back, inshallah. Ta'ala. We're still going to be discussing Pakistan, but we're going to be discussing a slightly different uh, story, inshallah. Just stay with me. I'm going to be back in a couple of minutes. Until then, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi <music> Assalamualaikum. alaikum, this is Atif Nawaz. Listen to InspireFM shows in your time by heading over to InspireFM.org or listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Assalamualaikum alaikum wa Welcome back to Friday Night Live with me, Hafiz Shaban. Uh, on this Friday evening, on the 27th of September 2019, uh we were discussing pakistan earthquake earlier with usman zahid bbc pakistan producer uh great to have usman Saab back on uh, the air with us on friday night live giving his uh, perspective and and giving us the update on the pakistan earthquake in mirpur as we know last week uh, the earthquake took place in Pakistan in the in the Mirpur district in the Mirpur area of Azad Kashmir we also know of the the social media messages that are going around the infrastructure damage uh, the pictures of uh, of the near misses of people just missing the debris and, and the collapsing of, of the buildings uh, and we make to offer all of those who have passed away in this uh, in in this tragedy in this tragedy into Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grants them Jannah for those uh, and grants them the status of shaheed and we also ask Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala to protect the others in, in Turkey, Indonesia, and other, other places where uh, similar earthquakes have been happening over the last couple of days. But if you have been uh, to Pakistan or you have any loved ones or you have any personal experiences uh, from this uh, recent earthquake in Mirpur, then do get in touch with us. 0158248182207941822. We are going to be moving on to our next story. Uh, This evening uh, and that is uh, Pakistan, Turkey and Malaysia Announced that they are to jointly launch an anti-Islamophobia TV channel Now when I first saw the Twitter by Imran Khan Going around saying that there's gonna take three nations to come together Right to launch an anti-Islamophobia TV channel now. I have to tell you personally my personal thoughts right and then i want to hear from you my listeners you know i was a bit pessimistic to be honest with you i thought uh, you know three nations it takes to come together to launch an anti-islamophobia tv channel that was my first thought then my second thought was you know you know what are what are these nations individually doing to address the problem of islamophobia right is that the most that we can do launch a tv channel to address anti-islamophobia right so it sounds you know i was a bit skeptic to be honest with you but here it is malaysia pakistan and turkey are working on the launch of an english language television channel to tackle islamophobia what do you think do we already not have enough channels what are these channels doing are they actually servicing you know providing a service a quality service uh, and, and do we do we already not have the infrastructure and the media platforms to actually address this particular issue right now uh, under the joint venture let me give you a bit more information under the joint venture by the three countries series and films would be produced so that the Muslims uh, and the world at large could be educated on Islamic history right so I've given you my view let, let's speak to some experts from the world of media uh, and let's get their views right so we've got uh, Yusuf Irim who is uh, a tech you know who is if I, uh, I got it correct here TRT world uh, analyst from TRT world who Who's joining me live from from Turkey, Inshallah, So I've got Brother Yusuf. I'm going to be speaking to uh, right now. Is Brother Yusuf alive? Uh, I believe he's uh, alive. I'm here. Yeah, uh, Assalamualaikum, Yusuf uh, J- 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 Jazakallah, Jazakallah, Jazakallah for for joining us on Friday night live, right? So, uh, as you would have heard in my introduction, uh, you know, tell 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 tell, tell, tell myself and, and tell our listeners more about the launch of this anti-Islamophobia TV channel by Three Nations. Well,
3: first. I heard you were pessimistic. I was listening in. And I don't think there's reason to be pessimistic.
1: Seriously. All and, right, go on then.
3: Uh, well, impacting popular culture is very important. And the best way to do that is through media, whether it be social media or whether right. it be TV. And right. we've got to reach out to the youth because yeah. uh, media is dominated by uh, white Anglo-Saxon Christian channels. Mm-hmm. And the only way to reach out to the youth is through this medium, and it's very, very important to be able to communicate our history, our beliefs,
1: Right. So so, 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 Don't get me wrong. I, I'm though. all. I'm all for right media and, and for using the media platform to reach out to the youth. I mean, for example, right. I, I was going to come on to this. You know, the recent series or the last four, if, for three, four years, or if not longer, Er, Erd- 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 right, uh, has been fa- has been phenomenal in terms of the impact that mm-hmm. it's had and, and you know the influence that it's had. That, that's the kind of positive message and and, and the history that the, you know that the has gone out to to a lot of the youth, right? Definitely. But, but, but. power
3: is very important
1: absolutely but uh, the reason i'm pessimistic is you know it's taken us so long to to realize that and then it takes (laughs) three nations to come together to to try to produce something like that that that's that's my pessimism for you but go on yusuf
3: i don't i don't think i don't think it takes three nations to come together i don't think turkey could have done it by itself malaysia could have done it by itself i think pakistan could have done it by itself too Yeah. I think the reason why having three nations together is a symbol of unity yeah. I mean Imran Khan and Mohammed Mahata are very important Muslim leaders uh, along yeah. with Reja Pidwan and yeah. uh, having them three together stand together on a project yeah. like this, I think that's the important part uh, yeah. Because either either one of these three countries could have done this uh, TV channel yeah, So yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't get stuck on having three countries do it okay but uh, what what could be done more? I think definitely movies. TV shows, uh, getting these shows on platforms like whether it be Netflix, Amazon yeah. Prime, yeah. Uh, the Hulu, these are these are very important to yeah. reach out to kids at an impressionable age for yeah. them to understand what true Islam truly is. Yeah. And you don't have well, because if you don't reach out to these kids, you're going to have these far right groups reaching out to them. You're going to have them hearing you get bombarded daily by hate speech, whether it be yeah. at school, whether be on the street walking around. I mean, I, I'm assuming you guys are doing your broadcast from England, and yeah. uh, majority of your listeners are probably have probably faced some type of Islamophobia, some type of racism, I'm I'm probably safe. on a daily basis. Yeah. So I, I'm I'm sure they understand well what I'm saying. Now I'm lucky I get to live in a majority Muslim country where I don't oh, yeah. have to worry about that. Yeah. But I mean unfortunately when you're living out in the West This is something that you're faced with on a daily basis. So sure. I mean, they see a woman with a hijab and they walk the other yeah. way Yeah, yeah. Uh, They see someone with a long beard and they think terrorist and yeah. This type of stereotype you can't change this in one day. So
1: Absolutely. You, you have
3: to target the youth you have right. to educate that's, right. that's the way to do it. And the best way to do this is popular culture.
1: Yeah, okay. Sure. All right So I've got my my, my other guest on, on online too. So let me welcome Noor Uzken. Uh Who's there from the Daily Sabah Ankara bureau chief? Hopefully, I've got the details right and the and the name pronounced uh, correctly too. So, Nur, welcome to Friday Night Live, uh, broadcasting from Luton, from from the UK. We are discussing Pakistan, Turkey, Malaysia jointly launching this anti-Islamophobia TV channel, right? So, so uh, you know, Yusuf has presented a strong case. For three nations coming together, you know the, the 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 symbolism of of unity of different nations coming together. I echoed some initial early pessimism: why it's taking three nations to do this, and why so long in the so late in the day. Uh, what, what, what are your thoughts when you when you heard this uh, this news earlier? yes Yes, um, actually, as you
4: have mentioned, Hafiz. Um, the three countries, which represents actually the the most uh, like the majority of Muslim population on this earth. So this is one of the significant part of it. So Malaysia, right. Pakistan, and Turkey. So um, uh, as, as by the numbers. So uh, on the other hand, it's very inspirational. So these three, those three countries also represents uh, the all uh, factors of Islam, and also uh, very uh, very good at Examples of uh, Islamic uh, Islamic thought, um, you know, of the historically and also, uh, uh, but also including other other minorities in itself. Uh, but for example, in Turkey, we have a Jewish community, we have a Christian uh, community, and all others. All other, uh, actually, other uh, uh, side of the Christianity, like Orthodox Church in Istanbul, for example, mm. so uh, and synagogues all over the place around Istanbul and all over to Turkey. Yeah. So in terms of uh, these those three countries uh, as well as Pakistan and Malaysia let's mm. say uh, representing all kind of uh, Islamic thoughts and also uh, his historic thoughts and also the other other minorities and ethnic backgrounds and religions yeah. uh, so I think those three countries the most appropriate and most suitable uh, countries to yeah, yeah. Uh, just establishing and building up to a good good uh, sentiment and yeah. discourse yeah. about yeah. Islam, and about the Muslim world complaints, yeah. about the hate speech against uh, Islam, yeah. against uh, mo- uh, Muslims all around the world. Yeah. So this is my point at uh, first hand, actually.
1: Yeah. No, no, great. I know I appreciate that. I, I mean, no, I, I will agree. I mean, uh, Turkey has been, has uh, done fantastic with regards to, you know, the article uh, documentary and the series right uh, for the last couple of years and I, and i probably think that's probably uh, you know it, it, before that uh, you know you know was it the NBC that produced the the um, the series on umar ibn khattab you know apart from those two i i can't really remember a third that has had a, you know a, a, as much a, a, of an impact on uh, the global muslim uh, you know communities as the, those two particular series that were produced recently, right? Uh, but but like I said, there's plenty of the channels out there, plenty of platforms that could, can be used, but unfortunately not used. I mean, you know, you know, we have you know the likes of Arab League, World Muslim Organization, you know, the D, D8 group, and you have the Muslim so-called army, you know, IMAFT, and, and, and so on and so forth, and so many of these organizations. And, and you know, what people find, a lot of people find is that they are nothing but you know a, a talking shop, and and really there's no action that is produced out of it. And when we're talking about anti-Islamophobia, right? Anti-Islamophobia, we're really talking, we're only targeting about targeting and talking about the non-Muslim community as opposed to the Muslim community, because there's no point preaching anti-Islamophobia to the Muslim community, right? So how would you know what is the proposal of actually reaching out to the non-Muslims via this channel? Have you actually looked into it further?
3: Uh, I'm, I'm assuming you're asking me yes. uh, I haven't seen I haven't seen clear details on the right. project yet and right. I'm assuming it's at phase one right now right, where right. Uh, a, a basic understanding has been reached on a brainstorm of opening this channel and right. we'll probably get more details in the future yeah but I don't think that the channel will just be based on combating Islamophobia I think no. it will also be an important platform to educate our youth living in Western countries that yeah. are constantly bombarded with assimilation, yeah. where they understand they understand their religion better. Mm. Now, when you have the when you have Islamic children growing up in the West, yeah, uh, they're open. To, they're open to be assimilated. They're open to be targeted. They're open to be targeted by uh, or radicalized by groups. When you don't understand your religion, you have. Different groups trying to teach that to you it 's uh, important that you are taught properly what Islam is because yeah. of course, every religion has its uh, extremes, and the extreme is dangerous for any religion sure. so it 's important that you have that you have these countries getting together with these important strong Islamic leaders who are role models for the Muslim world, all three of them are role models for the Muslim world. Coming together, deciding what content is relevant for relevant and important for these young impressionable minds to be right. able to hear. Right. Uh, we we should have our own heroes. Okay. You know, we should have Muslim heroes that we can look up to growing up, and I think that's very very important at such an impressionable age, at a young age. And like I said, that 18, that five to 18 year old okay. group, very very important that. Uh, they need to be taught properly.
1: Okay, uh, a, a last question. My producers are just telling me that we, we we're running out of time, so i am got to move on to the next topic. But last question for yourself, Noor. Uh, you know, uh, do we have now a, a date for when Usman and uh, the next series is going to be kicking off now that we've uh, seen the back of Artegul, uh, 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 Noor? We're waiting. All of us are waiting news from uh, from Turkey on when the this new series. I don't know if you're familiar with it. I'm sure you are. Osman is going to be kicking off. Is is there a date for 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 that at the moment?
4: Um, I mean, uh, actually, I'm not well aware of. uh, Are we talking about the channel uh, specifically or other things? No, no. This is
1: this this is the earth. This is the earth girl. You know, resurrection. You know, drama.
4: Oh, uh, Osman, <laughs> you mean, okay, yes. this, uh, this could be directly uh, asked to, should be uh, directly asked to the TRT people, ah, I think okay. you, Mr. Yusuf uh, uh, will be uh, more aware about the material, ah, okay. soap opera uh, than, more than me, okay. but I think it'll be kicking off uh, about next week or so, yes.
1: Oh, ah, next week, alright, Yusuf, so that, that question back to you, do we have a date where when, you know, a lot of our listeners will be uh, are big fans of, of Ertegul and Osman?
3: I, I believe it's starting the second week of October, if I'm correct. I'm not 100% sure, but it was the right. second or third week of October, <laughs> so that's we're that's less it. than a month away, but it, it looks like it's going to be a fun, another phenomenal TV show, Absolutely. so I'm greatly looking forward to, to it as well, and I'm I know for a fact that there's many other works in the progress right now uh, regarding Ottoman history. Yes. It's a very rich history, a history Absolutely. that Turkey needs to capitalize on. Yeah. We're seeing other countries capitalize on their history by yeah. marketing it via Hollywood. Yeah. and. Uh, just a rich islamic history that yeah. not just for turkey but yeah. for the whole middle east and north africa as well absolutely. a history that many other countries can relate to absolutely the uh, golden age i i would say the golden age of islam
1: absolutely i, I mean unfortunately i've run out of time but you've uh, you've given me a fantastic idea i think we're going to reach out to you for next week because you know i, I think let, let's do a, 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 a let's do a bit a, a, another show on on actually l- looking at some of those series that i've actually i in the pipeline and especially Osman that's been lined up for for the next couple of weeks thank you very much Yusuf and Noor for your time uh, this evening on uh, for Friday Night Live. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, Yusuf and Noor. Thank you. All right, listeners. That was uh, we had Yusuf uh, Irim from te- uh, from uh, TRT World, and we had Noor Oskan from uh, the Daily Sabah Ankara Bureau Chief uh, discussing Pakistan, Turkey, and Malaysia to jointly launch an anti-Islamophobia TV channel. Right. We're going to move on to the next story, uh, and, and that also involves uh, Imran Khan, uh, and of course, Imran Khan has been uh, very busy over the last couple of days, uh, and indeed, uh, there's been a lot of things happening in New York as uh, of course it's been the UN General General Assembly uh, meeting uh, General Assembly meeting going on in uh, the uh, in New York in the United Nations and of course that's been followed by you know a back-to-back you know uh, addressing of the United Nations by a lot of the different political leaders and of course Imran Khan has been under the spotlight today also he's been addressing the United Nations Assembly and of course he's been having a number of conversations number of meetings on the on the um, uh, sidelines of the United Nations in New York with Trump uh, with Boris Johnson and with another a number of other uh, Muslim leaders in addition to a lot of the think tanks right to speak to me in further detail about Imran Khan in, in, in the United Nations, in New York over the last couple of days, we I want to introduce you to uh, Brother Hassan Abdullah, who's the diplomatic correspondent at TRT world. Uh, Brother Hassan uh, Abdullah, welcome to Friday Night Live. Thank you for having me. Ah, fantastic. Right, uh, Brother Hassan, as I was just introducing uh, the topic, so it's Trump meets Imran Khan or Imran Khan meets Trump at the United Nations in, in New York. He's at a very busy schedule over the last couple of days. Uh, w- w- have you been following uh, the United Nations uh, General Assembly over the last couple of days? And um, what do you make of it?
0: Well, yes, I have been. Uh, The Pakistani Prime Minister has obviously had a number of uh, meetings on the sidelines with uh, a number of world leaders. I think what really stands out today is his address at the United Nations General Assembly, in which he was, I would say, quite assertive. And, uh, you know, he really touched on four main issues, you could say. He talked about climate change, money laundering, uh, India-Pakistan relations, and he talked about Kashmir. Now, Mm. I think what was very important is the fact that he contextualized it for an international audience. Mm. And the international audience we're talking about here is the international leadership. So, for example, on the issue of Kashmir, when he said that uh, the sort of repression that's being witnessed in Kashmir, uh, and traditionally it's been fashionable to blame Pakistan for it, but he talked about the circumstances and what's going to happen if um, this sort of curfew is lifted, how there could be a response and how the international community needs to be worried about it, and right. in the context of India-Pakistan relations, he touched on, for example, regional stability and so forth. Sure. So, in that context, I think it's very important the way right. he talked
1: about it. So, 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 Hassan, let, let me come back to you. We've also got another. I've got another guest, Islamuddin Sajid, who's the regional chief correspondent of an, an, an Adulu Agency for Asia-Pacific based in Islamabad. I thought, hopefully I've got that name right, Islamuddin, you you can correct me when you when you come on air. But but Islamuddin, my question to you is, right, that we've seen Trump play this game. I mean, he's been on the stage with Narendra Modi, where he's blamed Pakistan. Then the next day, Trump comes and he calls himself a friend of Pakistan. And we have political commentators saying that Trump is just being Trump. He's... Clearly saying to India and Pakistan individually what they would like to hear, right? Whilst keeping his focus on the U.S. troops and his interest in Afghanistan, right? So, so is isn't this just a game that's being played, and isn't this a platform where we've had Benazir Bhutto in the past, with we've, we've had Ahmadinejad in the past from Iran, we've had so many different leaders say whatever they like, but is it just not a mere talking shop? Is there more to more to it than that than than what we hear, Islamuddin?
5: Uh, yes, thank you very much. Uh, uh, basically, you know that uh, uh, currently the Pakistan position is very important for the United States because the U.S. Uh, uh, has uh, busy in its uh, uh, 19-year-long war in Afghanistan. Uh, yeah. And recently you saw that, that Pakistan has played a very uh, uh, important role when the Taliban uh, came on the table with the U.S. Uh, 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 tough. Negotiator. So that is the reason that uh, Trump knows the importance of Pakistan, but on the, uh, on the other side, the India is also very important for the uh, United States. Due uh, mm. to, to its uh, very big market, uh, because it's uh, a very huge population, so that yeah. is the reason that uh, uh, U.S. president uh, never wanted uh, he should uh, uh, just uh, uh, speak something uh, against the Indian action in Kashmir, and he speak anything against the Indian Prime Minister. So that is, uh, I think, the main reason that uh, when he uh, just meet with the uh, Modi, he will definitely uh, praise him. He will yes. talk. Uh, uh, about India, that we have very good
1: relation with India, but when he will come to the Pakistan, so definitely. No, he will I, I, the I, 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 I get that Islamuddin, right, and, and uh, uh, Hassan, right. I, I get that. I, I get. It's, 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 uh, you know, everyone has their own interest, but I mean, isn't that exactly then the point that you know, you we we uh, we have been hearing pa- the case of Palestine at the United Nations Assembly for decades. And nothing has happened, right? And we're hearing exactly the same thing. I get Imran Khan and I'm all for you know, building a public opinion, building international opinion for the, you know, against India for the oppression of Kashmir, right? But it's a talking shop yeah. and we know no action will be taken because that's exactly what's happened for Palestine for the last 40-50 years, Hassan. What, what do you say to that? Uh, you are right, but... Islamuddin, let's hear from uh, Hassan and then we'll come back to you.
5: Oh, oh sure sorry well i think it's uh what uh,
0: you have a valid point there I and mean, in, in terms of <clears throat> what the u.n has achieved um you know there have been a number of questions raised about the performance of the u.n since the post second world war uh, so that's a valid point you raised there but then we also have to ask what options do we have for example mm. either you rely on hard power so let's say there was a case that a, uh that the military or some muslim state decided to take action and you know just uh, use force and muscle yeah. to try and uh, free Kashmir. That mm. would be like one option. Yeah, but uh, realistically, is that really viable? Mm. So you know, when you say that something is not working, then you have to question as to mm. what the other
1: options are. Yeah, but I mean, the, the same question. You know, realistically, is it viable to go to the United Nations Assembly and speak to people who have no interest in your case apart from their own interests? You know, realistically, what are we uh, intending to achieve, Islamuddin?
5: I think uh, the situation uh, in South Asia is uh, totally different because here you know that uh, on both sides they they are the... Uh, nuclear power. So, and for yeah. example, will they, if, if they will go to uh, any war, so mm. definitely it will destroy the whole region. So, so in the case that today, Imran Khan has also explained in the United Nations uh, Nation General Assembly, and he warned the uh, United Nations that uh, the United Nations will not take any practical steps and the, the both con- uh, countries will go for the con- conventional war so it will not remain to the conventional because Pakistan is civil country. style yeah. smaller than the uh, India, so, uh, so uh, definitely they will go for the nuclear, uh, nuclear uh, uh, war. This will mm-hmm. not only decide the two countries, but actual affects on the whole world. So that is the issue that I think uh, the situation in South Asia, especially here in the subcontinent, is totally different from the... Uh, I, uh, Islamuddin. And Khan has right. Right.
1: It, it looks like we've we, we've uh, we've lost. Is it Islamuddin? I think we've I lost Islamuddin. Right. So, so I, uh, in fact that wasn't Islamuddin. That was Hassan Abdullah that we've just lost. Islamuddin, are you you still on the on, on the line? Yes, I'm here. Oh okay, okay. We, we've we've no just, lo- I've, just, my, I've, just other, I've just lost my. I've just lost my. I've just lost my other guest. Uh, and I. I Alright, so I I think we're having some technical issues. We we were discussing uh, Imran Khan at the United Nations General Assembly uh, what's been happening, some of the progress some of the meetings and we were discussing with two fantastic guests unfortunately I've lost both of them, uh, but I've lost them at a strategic time because we're about to go into a commercial break anyway. So I've had, to, uh, I would have had to wrap up, and I know it would have been a bit difficult to wrap up a, a, such a long conversation. And it just happens that we've lost them. Uh, all right, we're gonna we're gonna try to reach out to those guests after the break. We are going into a commercial break. I'm gonna be back in a couple of minutes, Inshallah. When I'm gonna hopefully try to see if I can continue with a a couple of more minutes to discuss that because it was a very interesting discussion. Imran Khan, United Nations General. Assembly speaking to the world, speaking to America, addressing the issue of climate change, money laundering, Kashmir. Is that the right platform? Now we're going to get any changes discussing those issues on that platform. I'm going to come back in a couple of minutes. I'm going to try to discuss those subject matters a bit more further. I want to hear from you. Until then, Assalamualaikum Warahmatullahi Wabarakatuh.
0: You're listening to an Inspire FM podcast making available our popular programs from our daily broadcast on InspireFM.
1: Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Welcome back to Friday Night Live with me Hafi Shaban on this Friday evening on the 27th of September 2019. As usual, broadcasting live to Luton on 105.1 FM and also via our sister stations nationally and internationally. Uh, also via our Inspire FM app and of course Facebook live stream. We were discussing uh, a number of topics in in the first hour. And Subhanallah is already uh, the second uh, part of the show. The last hour of the show. Uh, for those of you that have just tuned in missed the first hour of the show. Hopefully you will be able to listen to the repeat. Uh, also be, uh, the podcast is available immediately after the show. But just to give you a quick recap. We were covering... Uh, the Pakistan earthquake in the first half an hour and we were discussing to a BBC uh, correspondent in Pakistan getting an update on the Pakistan earthquake situation and then in the second part of the first uh, hour I was covering very pessimistically today I mean I've been told I've been a very pessimist uh, and a very uh, I've been very negative today uh, but that's uh, the the view I've had uh, today on the Pakistan Turkey Malaysia to jointly launch anti-islamophobia TV channel right uh, so i was questioning that and then also i've been discussing imran khan imran khan's been very busy uh, you know he is an orator fantastic uh, you know spokes uh, person as an individual very charismatic uh, addressing the united nations assembly general assembly ever, in fact let me reach out to my listeners 01582, you know, let, let, let not me give you my opinion, 01582-481822, uh, 779 481822. and I know there's a lot of our listeners out there, PTI supporters, but I'm sure Imran Khan supporters, what do you make of Imran Khan's address to the United Nations General Assembly, now he's been very active over the last couple of days, right, so it has been packed back to uh, you know back to back last couple of days the whole week has been very busy at the United Nations, at the General Assembly. You know, he's been having sideline conversations with, you know, Trump, with Boris Johnson, with Mohammed Mahater, with Erdogan of Turkey. Uh, you know, he's been, you know, uh, you know addressing a number of think tanks, the Asia think tank. He's been addressing the Council for Foreign Relations think tank and a number of other think, think tanks that he's been addressing. So he's been doing a lot of PR, a lot of marketing. He's been addressing climate control. Climate control, yeah, climate change, rather. He's been addressing, you know, money laundering. He's been addressing Kashmir. So he's been doing a lot. He's been addressing addressing a lot. He's been discussing a lot. Now, I'm gonna. We're trying to get through back to, uh, you know, two uh, of my guests that I was speaking to before I went into a commercial break, right? And that was Hassan Abdullah. Diplomatic correspondent at TRT World. Uh, we're trying to get through to Islamuddin Sajid, who's the regional chief correspondent for one of the agencies for Asia Pacific, based in Islamabad. Whilst we, uh, whilst we try to get through to both of my guests, right? And I was, of course, questioning, you know. The United Nations, you know, how many leaders we've had in the past that have gone to that United Nations institution, addressed the world at large, raised the plight of Palestine, raised the plight of Burma, we've raised the plight of Kashmir, what have we got in return? Now that is the question that I'm putting out there to my listeners and I want to hear from my listeners. What are your views? What are your thoughts? 1582 zero triple seven nine four eight one eight double two right that is for your social media messages if you have been following Imran Khan if you've been following Geo News if you've been following PTV if you've been following any of those media outlets let me hear your thoughts. Now we've had one message coming, which is you know, all right, Presente, you're being too negative with regards to the United Nations. You're being too negative with regards to, you know, your your you know too pessimistic with regards to your you know anti you know this anti Islamophobia TV channel. I'm happy to hear that. I'm happy to hear someone to say that I'm being too negative, but you tell me the opposite. You know, what really what have we achieved? You know, via the United Nations Assembly. You know, what has it been able to do with regards to? Palestine? What has it been able to do with regards to Kashmir? We've been discussing Kashmir on that platform for so many decades, right? So many decades. And indeed, we are we actually addressing the very people who have created the problems in the first place? I don't know, if you think I'm being too negative, then you need to call in and you need to tell me that I'm being too negative. If you think I'm being too cynical, then you need to call in and you need to tell me I'm being too cynical. But I'll tell you what some of the other media correspondents are saying right now, right? So let me let me give you a quote, if I can find it here, from Shekhar Gupta, right? Shekhar Gupta, who is a senior journalist and an editor, right? Now, this this is his uh, quote. He says, Trump... Right, uh, this is with regards to Trump. Trump is being Trump. He wants his trade deal from India, right? And he ha- wants help from Pakistan in Afghanistan. Of course, he wants the Nobel Prize too. He doesn't care. He doesn't care for either for either country or leader. But there's a clear hierarchy in ties with regards to the two countries, and I think more India Modi will take it. So here's an independent view from a journalist, from an editor, with regards to Trump. I mean, you can go to Trump and you can go with your case of Kashmir, but Trump is only interested in his own trade deal. He's only interested in getting help from Pakistan, in Afghanistan, and that's what he's after. And for me, it's almost like we're speaking to, you know, and you know, to 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 deaf ears here. People who are not really interested. But I get the argument also from the other side, which is. Pakistan and Imran Khan is trying to build an international opinion with regards to the issue of Kashmir and he's trying to get world sympathy with regards to the issue of Kashmir but What will we achieve through trying to get world sympathy on the issue of Kashmir? You know, for Palestine, we've been doing that for the last 40 years. And we have seen no action with regards to Palestine. And that's the kind of, you know, that's the analogy that I'm drawing. But I'm going to leave it to my listeners. I'm going to leave it to my listeners to call in. Be brave enough, call in. Let me hear your thoughts. 015824818207948182. 2, 2. I've tried to put the both arguments onto the scale, and I'm gonna let the, my listeners to come in and try to shape it in either direction further. All right. So unfortunately, it looks like we've been unsuccessful in trying to get back to Hassan Abdullah or to Islamuddin uh, Sajid. It would have been fantastic to have them a bit further to discuss this issue uh but we're gonna move on to our next subject matter and indeed i mean uh the next uh Panelists and the next guest that I've got may want to share uh, a thought or two in terms of what's been happening in the General Assembly in the United Nations, uh, because he, of course he's a lecturer in UK uh, politics, and it's Muhammad Jalal. So let me welcome uh, Muhammad Jalal uh, to Friday Night Live. Of course, he's no, he's no, uh, he's no stranger to Friday Night Live. Of course, been here in the studio before previously, on, on and discussing a number of different topics. But let me welcome uh, Muhammad Jalal. Alaikum Warahmatullahi wabarakatuh
6: Wa alaikum <laughs> salam wa rahmatullah shabba and it's uh, great to be with you.
1: Uh, jazakallah for your time uh, Muhammad Jalal and, and joining us uh, this evening right so we, we, we were of, of course we are discheduling to discuss uh the supreme court and uh, suspending parliament was an awful judgment uh and we also had another guest unfortunately who hasn't been able to make it this evening right but earlier i, w- I was discussing uh with a number of guests with regards to the general assembly and the united nations you know going on for that for the last couple of days imran khan's been there he's been discussing the case of uh, climate change uh, anti-money laundering and he's also been discussing of course the issue of kashmir i don't, I don't know if you if you care to 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 to, and if you've been following the events in, in, the, in New York, uh, Jalal, and whether you want to make any comments or uh, your particular comments on uh, what's been happening out there.
6: Yeah, jazakallah khair, and um, uh, thank you for, for giving me the opportunity. Um, uh, I suppose what I would say is that Imran Khan is currently going through, uh, he has a dilemma. His dilemma is he's got to, uh, he's got to keep his public uh aware of of the situation of kashmir and he's mm. got in some respects pacify or deal with some of the sentiments that exist in pakistan which uh, are calling for him to take action over kashmir mm. but at the same time he knows that he can't really take action over kashmir you know it's it's a it's a very difficult thing for for uh, uh, pakistan to take uh, uh, solitary action without uh America's uh, uh America's back in or at least without uh the acknowledgement that America has enabled him to to uh, to do something over Kashmir and so mm-hmm. the only option um uh, Imran Khan has is to is to talk about Kashmir and to raise it in in the international on international platforms and to uh to make it seem like to his public that mm-hmm. you know he's taking decisive action when in reality uh, Modi has been uh, permitted to, uh, uh, to, uh, in effect, militarise uh, the the region even further and and establish his domain over it. And um, uh, within time, Modi will be able to claim Kashmir as his own sovereign body, so even the pretence of of calling it a you know, a, a, a semi-independent region would, would mm. no longer exist, right? He would incorporate it within uh, greater India. No. And at the moment, uh, Pakistan is, is uh, uh, probably allowing and enabling that to happen because it can't do very much more than talk about it. Mm. So I think that's probably my take on it as to how, you know uh, how uh, ineffective, in, in some senses, Pakistan is in, mm. in in dealing with this problem.
1: Right, right. So that's that's interesting. And and what better platform to to talk than the United Nations? Because I think that's what the United Nations platform is all about: just talking and, and not real action in terms of solving any any of this crisis. So I mean, he's, he's taken a he's taken the best platform available to him to really address the issue of Kashmir from a from a theoretical perspective. Anyway
6: yeah i mean i think that's that's the thing you know he needs to um he needs to deal with uh the kashmir issue by uh by addressing it every day and and having mm. uh, and continuing the commentary remember the, the way that uh pakistan works is you've got uh 24-hour news coverage now across you know many channels in pakistan mm. and you need to feed that news agenda right otherwise uh, the news anchors begin to question you know, the lack of, uh, of progress over Kashmir. Mm. And so what he's is, what is effectively tried to do is is to, is to try to dominate the news agenda by adding something to it on a daily basis, sometimes even on a half-daily basis, right? And so, you know, when he's, uh, during his time and stay in, in New York, so of course, he's been there for, for a number of days.
7: Yeah.
6: Uh, you know, he has, he has had to continue to feed that news agenda. And, and mm. of course, his speech today um uh it's a continuation of that and yeah. unfortunately there is probably not a will in Pakistan and, and probably you know there is a lack of ability in Pakistan to decisively deal with the problem of Kashmir and so uh,
7: hmm. when
6: a leader can't deal with it they then take this secondary option to to talk about it and, uh. and
1: yeah Alright, I appreciate that. Alright, listeners, 01582481822, 01582481822, we are discussing the topic of Kashmir. Uh, We've been discussing the topic of Imran Khan at the United Nations General Assembly. He's obviously made uh, the issue of Kashmir quite prominent and that was expected. Uh, Modi's also been there, you know, there have been a number of conversations on on the sidelines with with Trump. Trump's mentioned, uh, you know, referenced Kashmir media, uh, you know, on, on the issue of Kashmir between India and Pakistan. of course he has a a, he expects Pakistan in return to support America with regards to stabilizing Afghanistan and and, and, uh, trying to uh, reach a a peace deal in Afghanistan so of course a lot of interest for for uh, for Trump himself but we're gonna move off that subject matter you know I'm gonna leave it an open uh, subject matter for our listeners On, on the other hand if they want to comment and send in their views their thoughts with regards to Imran Khan at the United Nations over the last couple of days with regards to his speech any particular view do please feed that into me on 822, and i will take your social media messages and read them out to our listeners but we're going to move on to the next topic and that's the topic that you know we have uh, invited uh, Muhammad Jalal uh, on to in a Friday night live this evening to discuss uh, and and that's what's been uh, and that's with regards to what's been happening in the houses of parliament and i'm sure a lot of our listeners are going to be absolutely confused out of their heads what on earth is going on with regards to brexit And I know we've been discussing it on Friday Night Live. I know Brother Zafir has been discussing it on a number of shows over the last couple of weeks and months. Uh, And and the whole nation's been discussing Brexit over the last couple of months or the last couple of years. And, and, And I'm sure a lot of the nation and a lot of the community are probably sick and tired of hearing Brexit, Brexit, Brexit. And all of this confusion around Brexit. So we're hoping... Uh, Jalal, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna clarify you know what what's been going on here because there's been a rather embarrassing u-turn that the Boris Johnson government has had to make with regards to suspending of Parliament. What, why don't you give us a layman's you know version of what's been going on for our average listener, uh, and and just give him a bit of a bit, bit, bit of a, a, a guideline in terms of what's been going on and uh, and where we are at the moment, uh, Jalal.
6: Yeah, I, mean, I, I think you're probably right when you said that um, it's uh, a fairly confusing time right? and, and on a daily basis you're you, you know we're we're now used to the drama that's called Brexit uh, oh. for the last three years um, you know this has been a, a slow uh, motion car crash and um, uh, it never seems to have an end um, just when you think okay maybe a resolution has been found mm. then a, a a new series of, of uh, uh, of dramas, uh, 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 you know, uh, are uh, uh, come about, and, and as a result, you know, uh, the nation, uh, the British people have to deal with, uh, you know, uh, a, uh, a new, uh, uh, you know, melodrama that is, that is Brexit. I mean, in a, in a nutshell, what's happened is that since 2016, when Britain first had the referendum,
7: mm. uh,
6: whether to, uh, to stay or to uh, leave uh, the European Union, the British political establishment has been trying to work out how to leave the European Union, right? No. And um, and that, uh, that's been extremely difficult because, of course, Britain has been a member of the EU since the early 70s. Mm. And uh, Britain has established very intricate relationships, political and economic relationships, and also cultural relationships with this Euro- European Union. And so to, to remove yourself from that is a very complex process. And uh, will ultimately damage Britain's economy if it, if it does it in a in a way uh, which is uh, which is going to be a cliff edge Brexit, right, yeah. or a No Deal Brexit. Mm. And so what what they've been trying to do is is they've been trying to work out how to leave the European Union in an orderly fashion. Now, of All course, right. mm. Theresa May tried to negotiate a deal with the EU, uh, but she, on three separate occasions, unsuccessfully passed that deal through. Didn't manage to pass that deal, well, Prime well,
1: well, well, she got the deal, didn't she? And she came back to Parliament, and they weren't happy with the deal, so she couldn't pass that deal, right?
6: Well, exactly. Mm. And um, the Brexiteers they uh, criticised the deal for being a brexit light deal, mm. and the Remainers in Parliament criticised the deal because it gave it gave in too much, it compromised too much, and it it didn't um, uh, enable Britain to to remain, you right. know, in in the European Union in a out of the European, Union, but in a sizable way, remain connected to the European Union. Right. But Theresa May failed, and, and of course mm-hmm. Boris Johnson took over a few months back. Yeah. In order to try to resolve uh, this problem, but he has be, he has become he has been unstuck. He can't deal with the problem, and uh, uh, he is now in a in a very sim- similar position to Theresa May. And as you said, you know. Um, he tried the tactic of proroguing parliament, so that's the idea of suspending parliament. Yeah. but he failed but, to, but, but uh,
1: Janelle, be, be, just before we get there I mean this guy seems to me at least uh, as as a layman an observer like like a, like a yeah. bull just heading towards that you know red flag right and just trying to you know demolish anyone in, in, in his way it seems like he's been derailed himself uh, you know because he, he his character was and, he, and he's kind of a, a, you know, a, you, know a, you know, the way you came in is you know move out the way through I mean, I'm going to get this done right so I mean now this uh Exiting and, and you know and, and the Brexit w- with deal or w- with a deal or without a deal come thirty first of October, you know that's what he's trying to push through. Do you think I mean that that's gonna gonna happen or, or you know and and that was part and parcel of this prologuing uh, the the Parliament was it not?
6: Well, that's right. Actually, uh, when you call him a bull, uh, I think you you you're on the the money there. You know, in the sense that he's come into office and he's acted in a in a very uh in a very bullish way and he's managed to uh, not only make enemies uh in the general public amongst the remainer population the 48% who who voted mm. for remain but also he, he's he's ach- managed to achieve uh a lot of enmity within Parliament itself. So, as you remember, a few yeah. weeks back, 21 members of his own party
7: yeah.
6: uh, were uh, suspended, uh, removed w- from the party, uh, and so now they sit in Parliament as uh, independent members. So he's lost his majority. His majority is now minus 42 in Parliament, which means he can't effectively pass anything. The reason why he's he's uh, uh, he's presented himself as a bull is. Uh, Boris Johnson knows that by the 31st of October, Brexit is impossible to achieve. And he, know, he knew that. He knew mm. that from the beginning. Mm. Boris Johnson really has been aiming to win the next general election. Uh, and, and that's what all of these his tactics, his strategy has been working towards. Right. He wants to win that general election, and he wants to win it on the back of the 52% who voted for leave. Right? Mm. So all of this stuff about he's you know he's negotiating with the european union and he's meeting with european negotiators and he went to see angela merkel and he went to see the irish t and he uh, leo Varadkar and and he was he attempted to uh uh to you know to to hold meaningful negotiations that's only for the the optics that's only for show yeah. boris johnson has no intention and he knows actually in reality that it's impossible for him to achieve any form of Brexit by the 31st of October, but that's not his intention. His intention, rather, is to convince the 52% that I'm trying to bat for your side, I'm trying to get through this Brexit, but the the Parliament and the Judiciary, the Supreme Court and the pesky European Union, you know, these uh, institutions are preventing me from doing so. Mm. And, and, and so on the back of that, he wants to win a majority.
1: Mm. Right, so so are you then saying that this 31st of October Brexit come with 31st of October and there's no deal and, and he's, he's committed himself to 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 exiting the European Union without a deal what actually happened and that's optics, is that what you're saying? Well, it's impossible to happen mm. and you're absolutely right, Shahbuban
6: mm-hmm. um, uh, the 31st of October deadline can't happen on the following basis and that it, it, simply... Uh, there is something called the Benn uh, Act, right? right? So Hillary Benn, who is a, yep. uh, a labor backbencher, venture, mm. uh, he passed a, a bill for Parliament to prevent a, a, a legislation, a piece of law for Parliament, right. which mandates that if Boris Johnson doesn't come back with a deal from the European Union, right. Boris Johnson then has to go to the EU and seek an extension. That's mm. now law. Right. It is virtually impossible for Boris Johnson's government to break the law. Yeah. And to contradict this, so when he yeah. says "do or die," you know, I'd rather yeah, be in yeah. a ditch and all of that yeah, stuff. Yeah. You know, yeah. w- what he really is doing is he's playing to that gallery. He's playing yeah. to that audience. Yeah. Um, he's trying to win over the voter in Stoke-on-Trent, the, vo- yeah. the voter in Blackpool, the voter in Naneton. These yeah. voters were tr- are traditionally working-class Labour voters, yeah. but actually, these voters uh, uh, feel that Jeremy Corbyn is uh, uh, a Remainer and he hasn't sufficiently mm. uh, backed their corner. So he's mm. trying to win over the Stoke-on-Trent voter
7: mm.
6: who uh, may have voted Labour for the last 100 years, but yeah. these voters are pretty incensed that Brexit has not been achieved. Mm. And, you know, if you look at any interview, when you when there are interviews of, uh, of the ordinary Stoke-on-Trent voter, you know, they are coming round to this. They like this rhetoric. They like it when he calls, the then act, you know, a uh, uh, a capitulation act, right? A mm. surrender act, because for them, that's the Churchillian spirit coming out in Boris. He's fighting for their corner.
7: Mm.
6: So it's nothing to do with the 31st of October. I mean, right. the 31st <clears throat> is a is a smokescreen. He sure. he actually needs uh, to present himself as that leader who's standing up for. The 52%, so he can win that next general election, and
1: then and the next general election. I mean, at, at the moment, of of course, no one's calling for a vote of confidence in 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 Parliament, right? Because that will trigger yeah. off. Uh, or, or I I believe that the ne- next general election, Jeremy Corbyn doesn't seem to have you know many ideas of his own. I mean, is is it confusion all the, all the way around? Or, you know, in terms of what? from a Labour perspective, and, and a, you know, or is is uh, do they have a clear strategy when it comes to Brexit, whether it's remain or whether it's to exit.
6: Well, remember, uh, so there's a couple of things there. Let me take the Labour point first, I and mean, mm. if I may, I, I'll also talk about the next general election and how how it possibly will play
1: we, out. We may have to do that after, mean, uh, after the commercial break, Jalal. We've got about a minute and a half before the commercial break. Yeah, okay. So well, let's take the Labour point. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy Corbyn
6: uh, is in 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 uh, immense trouble. Uh, Jeremy Corbyn, Labour Party, uh, is dependent if it is to come back to office it really needs working class brexit votes so here's a statistic for you but deep the the largest 10 seats that are remain seats the biggest 10 remain seats are labor seats the biggest 10 leave seats are labor seats right and that is labor's dilemma in stoke-on-trent which is a labor safe seat 75% of the population voted Brexit. It it has the highest concentration of leavers. Jeremy Corbyn has to sit on the fence simply because if he doesn't sit on the fence, and that, that is in effect his policy, he would never return back to office because he's never going to be able to woo over, win over, those uh, Brexit supporting.
1: three right. Jalal, just hold, I... just hold on to that thought because we're going to immediately go into a commercial break, right? So I'm going to come back from the commercial break, and we'll continue from from uh, from this sure. point, and we'll continue, all right? I appreciate okay. your, your 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 patience. Uh, okay, uh, listeners, we, we are about to go into a commercial break. Uh, we are, I, I am with uh, Muhammad Jalal. We are discussing Brexit. I'm hoping to put some clarity around this cloud of Brexit. And also, what does that mean for me and you uh, as Lutonians, right? Does it really impact me and you? We're going to be discussing that in a couple of minutes. When we come back, don't go away until then. Assalamu alaikum. this is Atif Nawaz and you're listening to an Inspire FM podcast. Assalamu Alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh and welcome back to Friday Night Live with me, Hafi Shaban on Inspire FM 105.1 FM. Broadcasting to the good people of Luton and surrounding areas uh, every Friday from 6pm to 8pm and also broadcasting live to our sister stations nationally and and, and internationally also via the Inspire FM app and of course live Facebook stream every Friday. Alright, so we we have arrived at the last half an hour of the show. It's been a jam-packed show. We've been discussing Pakistan earthquake with a BBC correspondent uh, out from Islamabad, out from Pakistan. We've also been covering the United Nations uh, General Assembly uh, and Imran Khan. Of course Imran Khan has been very active over the last couple of days uh, in New York uh, addressing a number of different uh, dignitaries uh, leaders of other nations addressing the issue of Kashmir and a number of other topics. We've been looking at that and we've been discussing what has been achieved and what can be achieved on the United Nations platform. Uh, we've also been discussing an, a new anti-Islamophobia TV channel that is set to launch a uh, Pakistan Turkey Malaysia coming together to address that and of course currently we are discussing uh, the fiasco and the quagmire which is brexit with a with an expert At least he's an expert in comparison to mine and your understanding possibly uh, Muhammad Jalal who is a lecturer on UK politics in the UK so we're going to go straight back to uh, Mohammed Jalal and we're going to be discussing or we're going to be continuing to discuss it, uh, Brexit. I'm going to ask, uh, well, firstly I'm going to appreciate Muhammad Jalal and his patience for the last couple of minutes whilst we were away on a commercial break. But I'm going to ask Muhammad Jalal to just bring us up to date. Give us a uh, you know perspective on where we are at the moment. Of course, the parliament has uh, re- has reconvened after the Supreme Court judgment, uh, right? So now we've got parliament back on uh, back on air. Uh, we've got the debate continuing. I don't think it is clarified and made anything clearer for the for the average, you know, observer and and listener and follower of, of the of the of the news. Uh, so why don't you just bring us quickly up to date, uh, Jalal, in terms of where we are at the moment? Uh, and, and what you see next, right? I mean, I I know it's a very cloudy uh, mm-hmm. a, a picture, right? And a lot of observers and commentators are giving a lot of you know commentary and uh, what they feel is going to happen next, right? Uh, but but bring up bring bring our listeners up to date in terms of where we are at the moment right and, and what you know brexit means for the average lutonian apart from the fact that you know when he's gonna decide to drive up to dover next and you know take the the ferry over to france it may not be as easy as it used to be before the uh, before the brexit
6: well i think it's, it's probably important for your listeners to know that mm. um, a no-do brexit is virtually impossible yeah. um because at the moment parliament is just not going to allow allow it right okay and so um what then needs to happen is a a brexit deal needs to be struck with the eu uh boris johnson is unwilling to do that and you know he he shows a pretense of of uh, uh, negotiation but actually uh i think that horse is already bolted so okay. Theresa may tried that and that, that's impossible so the only oh. other option really available to government is to call a new, another general election or to hold a referendum. Now, mm. Boris Johnson is unwilling to call a general election, uh, to, to hold a referendum, but he yeah. would like to call a general election. Mm. As you said previously, uh, Brother Shaban, uh, Jeremy Corbyn until now has resisted that. Not because, you know, I mean, Boris Johnson calls Corbyn a, co- uh, a coward and, you know, mm. something from cowardice because yeah, yeah. he hasn't called a, re- but that's not the reason. The reason is that Uh, if Jeremy Corbyn called a general election now, that could lead to Boris Johnson using a tactic to delay that election until after October and then pursuing a no-dual Brexit. And and that's Uh something that Corbyn doesn't want. So actually, Corbyn has been slightly shrewd in not calling that uh, general election now. But but inevitably, that election will be called, right? It will be after the 31st of October when... a a new extension has been given by the eu and then there will be a general election now it's my view
7: Mm.
6: that probably before a general election what you may end up having is a government of national unity Mm. and so this is a government that crosses the house so in effect you would have a number of MPs within that government, right. um, so you'd have Labour MPs, Conservatives, some ex-Conservative MPs, the mm. 21 I mentioned previously,
7: yeah.
6: as well as Liberal Democrats and mm. SNP. Now, if they can get the numbers, this government of national unity will become like a caretaker government, and that seems quite likely at the moment. In fact, just today, Nicholas Sturgeon, who's the SNP yeah, leader, yeah, yeah. Suggested that that's probably the best option at, at the moment. Tom Watson, who's the deputy leader of the Labour Party, has, has been gone on record to say maybe a general election at the moment is not a good idea for Labour. But the only other option then for Labour is to have this this um, uh, this national government, which which will pursue a extension with the EU and very possibly call a referendum as a compromise. Mm. Um, so I think a referendum, a second referendum, right. is not off the cards, Chava.
1: Okay. Yeah. Oh really? Okay. Uh, that, that's interesting. I, I don't know if that's going to help or not, but 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 there 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 you go. Uh, all right. So 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 lastly, just two two quick questions for you, Jalal, before we have to unfortunately leave it there. Uh, what about the relevance for you know Muslims living in the UK? Right. So I mean I was mentioning earlier, right, of uh, you know the average plutonian, why would he be interested in, in all of this fiasco called brexit apart from the fact that if he decides to drive over to dover and cross over into france there may be implications once a brexit deal is is negotiated and agreed yeah i mean that's a good point um uh i i suppose the,
6: you know I, the general point is uh you know we've with uh, Muslims, we, you know, we we want to be aware of things. We want mm. to be aware of the world around us. Right. We want to be aware of what's going on, right? We want to be politically aware. Um, right. It's often the case that uh, when we look around the society in which we live,
7: mm.
6: many people just don't have much political information. They call it political literacy, mm. and so as a result, they make very uh, uh, daft decisions in in relation to to politics. So we mm. we've got to be you know shrewd and, and a bit more aware. And, and that accords I think with the hadith of the Prophet salam that so, that talks so. about mm. you know a Muslim isn't bitten from the same place twice. You know no. that's all about awareness and, and no. being aware of issues. Okay. But maybe on a on a on a on a different level, mm. um, you know, Brexit has revealed uh, you know the the weaknesses that currently pervade uh western liberal democratic systems and Mm. you know i I would i would urge your listeners to read a really interesting book by a financial times journalist edward luce uh and the book is titled you know the decline of western liberalism and his argument it's a very strong argument his argument is that what we're seeing at the moment around the world whether it's trump or whether it's across eastern europe whether it's the new brazilian leader or whoever it may be Mm. or brexit We're seeing a steady decline in this sort of liberal democracy that we were once told was on this linear path to uh, a, a, we were on this linear path to a liberal nirvana. Do you Mm. remember Francis Fukuyama spoke about the end of history? And I think that's a really interesting, um, you know, a a, a discussion to, to be involved in and a very interesting discussion to be aware of. You know where is this heading? In 10 years' time, we may be heading towards a situation where we have more populist leaders across the West mm. who've quite openly reject uh, the tenets of liberal democracy that we we believed until now were were the only, you know, worthy uh, uh, ideals uh, for a society to 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 build okay. their lives. So. Mm. But so I think that that's an interesting development, and right. you know, and mm. and and Muslims have to be aware of that, and, and have to be right. uh, okay. have to follow the news and follow right. events, so that we can become far more savvy about right. how we how we act and Excellent. think.
1: Excellent. My, my, my producers are pushing me on to uh, the next topic, but but just Excellent. before I go, I I just really want to pick up about the new podcast that you've you've launched, the Thinking Muslim. Jalal, tell tell me more about that. I mean, that's interesting because, you know, well, well, you know. I've, I've, a, there are a lot, of, a lot of podcasts, you know, that are available, and, and uh, you know, the Thinking Muslim it was an interesting, t- you know, title, a very, very catchy title. What, what what led you to to launch this uh, new new podcast, and what's what's different about it?
6: Well, thank you for giving me the opportunity. So, this podcast, the Thinking Muslim podcast, is a an opportunity to explore topics, whether Islamic topics or topics to do with political events mm-hmm. or you know, general philosophical topics in in a far more deeper way. So what Mm. I try to do is every week I try to get a guest who understands the topic very well Mm. and uh, I explore the topic inside out. I challenge the guest so often it's not just a, you know, an embracing of of the guest's opinion, but I challenge the the guest and and try to get the guest to to account for their opinion. So just as a quick point, last week we had... uh, a really interesting brother from America, who, uh, who uh, he's part of the Black Dower Network in America, and uh, nice. he works amongst the impoverished uh, black communities to to carry Islam and an Islamic message to them, and he does it in a very innovative way okay. by uh, by buying book Malcolm X books, and distributing them free of charge amongst these that are very poor black communities. Nice. He came onto my show to talk about uh, uh, slavery in uh, america and and uh, he revealed that a good number of slaves who originally came over to america uh, were muslim slaves mm. they actually came from west african muslim communities and they were forcibly uh converted to christianity oh. in order to pacify them so okay. you know when he carries that he's that where he explains this to the black community but actually maybe your forefathers were muslim mm. Mm. Who were forced to renounce their wow. Islam? Okay, um, and uh, it's it's a great listen. And you know, right. I would advise your listeners to to come on to the to the podcast. It's on all major podcast all apps right. like so, Google so, and Apple.
1: Right. So I was going to ask uh, next exactly how, how how does one listen to to the to your to your podcast then? Well, uh, so if you
6: have an uh, Apple phone, it will be through Apple Podcasts right, or Google right. Podcasts or right. Spotify, which right. is a popular right. app, and okay. and you can just download the podcast just. Type in the Thinking Thinking Muslim Podcast and you'll be able to see not just last week's show, but all of the previous shows.
1: Fantastic, Mohammed Jalal. I would have loved to uh, slightly continue our conversation, but unfortunately, producers are pushing me on to to our uh, other panelists that I've also got on on there. So I need to I need Not to go problem. back to him. But Jazakallah, thank you very much for, for for joining us and giving us your time on Friday Night Live, and and hopefully we will, we'll have you in the studio sometime in in the future, near future, in Yeah, that would be great, Jazakallah. mohammed Jalal, Jalal. Okay, uh, listeners, that was uh, Mohammed Jalal uh, from uh, who is a uh, lecturer in uk politics trying to clarify and, and bring some clarity to this uh, huge drama uh known as brexit and also giving us a quick uh, uh, you know introduction to his new podcast service which has been launched uh, the thinking uh, muslim right uh, uh i have got my other panelist, my my guest online uh, uh, I, I believe who was uh, Islam Uddin. I'm gonna see if he's uh, uh, still uh, online. Uh, it's, it's Assalamu alaikum, Islam Uddin. Wa alaikum as- ah, fantastic. Okay, because my system so, has uh, has as, uh, gone into sleep mode, so I couldn't see whether you were actually still. Uh, online or not, but but Islamuddin uh, Sajid. Uh, first, firstly, let me apologise to you for making you wait for the last couple of minutes whilst I was trying to finish off with my no, uh, no. For, for former guest, and also apologise for for we we, we are abruptly uh, you know lost you earlier whilst we were having a w- yeah. what I found was an interesting conversation with regards to Imran Khan and the last couple of days at the United Nations General Assembly. So you know you, we were discussing Imran Khan. Of course, Imran Khan has now been you know having you know giving his speech on on Kashmir. You've You've been following that and you were giving me your perspective on things, uh, you know, before we lost you earlier. Uh, you, you, why don't you just give me a quick summary of, of, of what your thoughts are on, on, on Imran Khan's stay at the United Nations in New York over the last couple of days and, and what you feel he's, he's been able to achieve?
5: Uh, Basically, uh, uh, Imran Khan today, uh, he also uh, several times just repeated his uh, uh, visit, the uh, main purpose of his visit to the UNG, United uh, Nations General Assembly. Mm. Because, you know, the situation in Kashmir is uh, very critical uh, right now, because from the last uh, uh, 54, 55 days, and the whole valley is uh, under the indian government has imposed a round the clock curfew and the people have no access even to the uh, daily commodities and even to the hospitals even uh, the children couldn't go to the school definitely the situation is uh, uh, worsening day by day. So uh, basically, the visit of his purpose to just inform the world leader that where the situation is going. And secondly, uh, Imran Khan and uh, especially the Pakistani government, they are repeatedly uh, uh, show the fear uh, that when Indian government will left the curfew, so definitely the Kashmiri people uh, will come out on the street, they will protest against the Indian government actions. So the situation will go towards the clashes between the Kashmiri people and the... Uh, uh, Indian security forces. So, and yeah. this time, uh, they feel that maybe there will be a massacre, there there will be genocide, and then the Pakistan will definitely enroll in the uh, whole crisis. Mm. So, uh, if the Pakistan and India, they will go to the war this time. So, this time, they uh, they this war will uh, not be just like the conventional war because you know that on on both sides, both countries are uh, nuclear. Mm. So,
1: when the so, 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 will go to the war so yeah yeah so, so, so yeah. sorry it's, it's, so, so what, are you saying that uh, so sorry just this last comment with regards to you know the, the the conflict potential conflict between Pakistan and India is, is that what you're suggesting that the, you know that if it's not resolved uh, you know peacefully through dialogue then then that's inevitable is that what you're trying to say
5: Basically, uh, um, Imran Khan and uh, especially the Pakistani government, they want the, sh- the UN should uh, uh, get involved. Come forward because you. Yeah, there are 11 UN resolution over mm-hmm. Kashmir, and they wanted the UN should implement
1: their yeah. revolution um, and um, to the resolution. absolutely. I hear that. I hear that, Islamuddin. Right. So I've also got Hassan Abdullah back, right? Who's the diplomatic correspondent at TRT World? Fantastic to have you back, uh, brother Hassan. And, and also, let me reach out to you and apologize to you because we lost you uh, abruptly earlier. Uh, but now that you're back, Hassan, uh, m- my question to you is: Right, Pakistan, uh, Imran Khan is reaching out. You know, Trump has also you know, made a f- couple of comments of potential mediating, right, a mediating role. Do you really think that he's genuine with regards to trying to play this mediator role? And, and, and do you really think, or is it more just re- rhetoric with regards to achieving his own interests via Pakistan and Afghanistan?
0: Well, I think, first of all, there should be no doubt when it comes to... Um personal interests especially in the sort of current international system that we're looking at uh, when it comes to president trump in particular even in the united states some people question whether he's putting the u.s national interests first or whether he's perhaps trying to promote his selfish personal interests uh, but going back to this point islamuddin sajid had raised earlier um, we have to understand that any country in this system has to take into account its economic interests so india is a huge market No country would want to, um, well, except for Pakistan, probably, in this context, would want to uh, have tense relations and have an effect on its market access in India. So we have to understand these points. You know, it's a very complex system.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, uh, precisely, all right. So with those economic interests in in, in hand, that ultimately gives the the leverage and puts more balls in the courts of, of India. So, I mean, almost irrespective of what Pakistan says and, and the complaints that Pakistan makes and, and the humanitarian violations and, the, you know, human rights violations and, 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 and even the United Nations, you know, policies that are, are being violated, you know, quite frankly, who cares? You know, it's the, it's the economic interests that are going to really speak the, the, the loudest. I think that's what we're saying. Sure well it
0: interrupt- depends on a number of factors
1: right.
0: yeah and so, sorry this this very strange noise as if there's some sort of radio interference yeah. i'm not sure if you can hear me clearly uh, I, radio I i sorry. i can but okay. um you know this yeah there is something called a strategic calculus that all states have to take into account so for example america has um interest when it comes to market access in india But at the same time, it has security interests associated with Pakistan. Now obviously, the US is trying to diversify those security interests and not rely so much on Pakistan. So for example, the US may want to uh, increase its airlifting of supplies into Afghanistan as opposed to, let's say, taking the land route in Pakistan.
7: Mm.
0: So it's this complex calculus Mm. which all the states have to work out. So for example, if you go into uh, during the Cold War days, Security was perhaps more important for the United States, at least in some parts of the world, than, let's say, direct market access at that time. So in the context of Afghanistan at that Mm. time, during the Soviet invasion, uh, America did invest quite heavily in trying to contain communism there. So, you know, this strategic calculus is something that we just simply cannot ignore
1: okay uh, that th- that's interesting okay so strategic cal- uh, you know uh, uh, calculus i, I-, I like the-, the terminology right i, I want to get islamuddin's uh, comment on this right you-, you-, you know if if i was to read between the lines of what Hassan is telling me you know it, it 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 points more further towards my case which is mm. we'll do plenty of talking but unfortunately there's not going to be much action with regards to res- resolving the Kashmir issue because of all of the you know strategic calculuses and the important calculus that people need to make with regards to their own interests versus the interests of of the nation that they're trying to reprimand or or, or bring into in, in into line so ultimately it means Islamuddin that we don't really get any particular solution uh, and and Kashmir becomes another Palestine, and we'll be, we'll be discussing it for a, for, for a number of decades to come. So, sorry, I, I, I think we're getting a lot of interference from, from your side, Islamuddin, by the sounds of it. Can you hear me? Yep, I, I can hear you now. Yeah, so uh,
5: I was just talking about the U.N. Security Council, if yeah. the, US, the U.N. Security Council, if they want to resolve this issue, I think they could uh, do it. Mm. But you know that uh, from the last 50-55 uh, days, we are just looking at the situation in Kashmir. And you just okay. uh, saw the uh, last month the U.N. Security Council, they gave it in New York. But even there was no statement they have, uh, they have issued uh, after that meeting. Mm. So uh, so I think that if uh, the, um, the they Want to just uh, take some answers, then they could resolve. But if they will leave the issue on this, uh, uh, just like uh, if they they will have uh, have no. To right, show any kind of interest, so it's very, very difficult that sure. to only the Pakistan and sure. India because you know there's Pakistan and India, it's very difficult that they will come on uh, the uh,
1: Okay, we're getting, we're getting that interference again, uh, but but yeah, we, we've only got a couple of more minutes left. And last question that I've got for both Hassan and, and, uh, and Islamuddin, right? I mean, let's move away from Kashmir. You know, there's been a lot happening in the United Nations over the last week. Uh, what's been your highlight, right, for, for, for you? What, what, are the, what are the particular points that you would raise, right? I mean, let's leave Kashmir to aside. I mean, let's take climate change climate change uh, as, as a subject. I mean, we've been discussing, and, and the nations have been coming together, and they've been discussing climate change for years, right, uh, without really being able to make much progress. And, and you know, even the decisions that have been made have been thrown out the window by the likes of Trump, on, on a number of uh, on a number of occasions, what 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 are what have been your highlights of of of, of the week from the United Nations General Assembly, mm-hmm. Hassan and Islamuddin? Let, let's go to Hassan first.
0: Well, you raised some very interesting uh, questions there. First of all, I agree with the points you've just made there, um, and at the same time, I think uh, some of the points you raised early in the program, we've briefly talked about this in the past as well. Uh, I think we need to go back to some basics. Ultimately, for example, when it comes to many of the problems humans are facing, it boils down to our philosophical priorities. So, for example, uh, Mm. the U.S. foreign policy is not exactly based on some ethical considerations. And that's true for this, you know, dominant system at the moment in the world. Uh, Mm. But, for example, if you were talking, let's say, from an Islamic point of view, the priorities would be different. Humans Mm. would be given more importance than let's say some material interests of, mm. uh, you know, a selected few people. But that's something, I, I understand you only have two minutes, so I'm just going to stop yeah, here. But yeah. perhaps uh, it's worth you guys doing some show on it in detail.
1: Yeah. No, fantastic. I, I mean, that's a that's a very good uh, p- perspective and a, a good way of summarising it, Brother Hassan. Uh, I really appreciate it. L- uh, over, over to Islamuddin for your final comment, Islamuddin. <laughs> Yeah, is Islam, brother, Islamuddin, unfor, Unfortunately, we we can't hear you. A lot of a lot lot of interference. Unfortunately, so so I I think we we'll, we'll have to leave it there. I'm gonna let the producers speak to you directly, uh, and I'm also I'm gonna ask the the producers if they can also reach out to brother Hassan Abdullah. Unfortunately, I just lost him. Uh, whilst I try to uh, deal with technology but but listeners we, we are coming towards the end of the show and, and as, as I was saying earlier It's great to be back in the hot seat uh, at Friday night live and mashallah we've we've had a, a, a number of guests and a great 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 team uh, effort by the 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 producers and the management team at Friday night live for for putting a lineup to, a fantastic lineup together but we've been discussing the uh, uh, G- general Assembly United Nations it would have been great to get more uh, of a listener input I mean that would have been fantastic uh, I, I do always encourage our listeners to get involved oh one five eight two four eight one eight double two zero triple seven nine four Four eight one eight double do. don't be shy don't be afraid you know I I, 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 I give my uh, opinion sometimes you know I try to keep a, a balanced view but I give my opinion sometimes I can be pessimistic sometimes I can be optimistic sometimes I want you to be the same I want to make this uh, an interactive lively show feel free to come online feel free to disagree feel free to agree but unfortunately you won't be able to do that this time because i've run out of time uh thank you very much for all our listeners thank you very much for all our guests thank you very much for the production team this is friday night live and this is uh, me Hafi shaban signing out uh, until next week, inshallah, ta'ala, when we'll be back uh, with another, an, an, another num, number of uh, topics that we're going to be bringing to you to discuss, inshallah. Ta'ala. So do join me next week when we'll continue with our debates, with our discussions on Friday Night Live. Until then, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa
0: Thank you for listening to our podcast. We stream our daily broadcast on inspirefm.org. You'll find all our daily updates on our social media at InspirefmLuton.